everyone. Welcome back to Well Then, a podcast where we talk about all things wellness and putting your health first. And that is exactly what we have been doing in this special series this week, all about breast implant illness and women who've chosen to get their breast implants removed. So welcome to day seven, the final day of the breast implant illness series on the podcast. I'm really excited to sum up some of the things that you've heard if you've been tuning in all week, as well as presenting you with some new information and even more testimonies from more women who weren't able to, to make it on the show themselves. So just to recap, you guys have heard some really powerful testimonies from four different women who have gotten their breast implants removed and have had to some degree or another, an experience with breast implant illness. You've also heard from a plastic surgeon, a board-certified plastic surgeon, about her experience with her many patients who have explanted and experienced symptoms of breast implant illness. And you've heard my story as well. And this is just such a small sampling of the many, many, many women out there who have experienced something similar in their breast implant illness story. And there's a lot about plastic surgery that they don't tell you. There's a lot about the plastic surgery narrative in our in our society that has been normalized that covers up the the very serious risks that come along with cutting open your body and putting foreign objects in them. And If you've been listening throughout this week, you've heard the plastic surgery narrative be challenged by all of these women in questioning, you know, why do we think that we need to go under the knife to change our bodies in the first place? Like, let's really start to have that conversation about why is it so normal for us to make such a drastic, extreme change in our body? And why is, it, why is it so often celebrated, especially now that we're discovering that it's making women sick? So that's kind of step one, is, is really challenging that narrative, having a conversation, and hopefully, ultimately, creating a different story about it. But now that there is much more of a public conversation about breast implant illness, it's equally as important to talk about the very serious physical risks rather than just, you know, the, the mental and emotional reasons why we might not want to get implants. There are very real, tangible impacts and risks of having these, these implants in your body. So first, I just want to run you guys through what they do tell you online about getting implants and some of the things they don't necessarily tell you. So anybody who has had plastic surgery before has gotten a breast augmentation knows that there is a pile of paperwork that you have to sign and that there are waivers that you have to acknowledge that there are risks associated with these surgeries. Absolutely, they tell you that up front. But what they tell you and what actually happens most of the time, there's a little bit of discrepancy there. So first I want to go into what they do tell you. And, and by they, I'm talking about the, um, the companies who actually produce these implants. They, they produce the devices themselves. And so this is coming directly from one of the websites of a company that makes an implant the, called Natrell. Um, So they tell you right up front that breast implants are not lifetime devices, and it's not necessarily a one-time surgery. So this is something we've talked about in previous episodes, that if you're getting breast implants, 
you should be aware that you're going to have to replace them at some point in time and often multiple points in time throughout your life if you want to keep them for the duration of your life. And that's typically every 10 years or so. They tell you that many of the changes that are done to your breasts following implantation cannot be undone. Um, so oftentimes the skin is stretched out from the implant going in and that, that can't be undone. So if you later choose to have your implants removed and not replaced, you may experience what they call unacceptable dimpling, puckering, wrinkling, or other cosmetic changes of the breast which may be permanent. First of all, I just want to acknowledge that they use that term unacceptable. So that just shows you how pervasive it is that they're already telling you off the bat that you cannot accept your body if it has things like dimpling or wrinkling or sagging skin. When those are natural changes that happen to the body anyways over time, whether you get plastic surgery or not. So just want to point out <laughs> how insidious it really is. All right, moving on. They also tell you breast implants may affect your ability to breastfeed, either by reducing or eliminating milk production. And that one is really kind of uh, a gamble. It's hit or miss. I've seen some women who it has impacted them and others who it hasn't. They tell you that rupture of a silicone-filled breast implant is most often silent and might not be detected by you or your doctor. So you should be getting regular MRIs after your surgery to determine if rupture is present. And if it is, you should have the implant removed, um, and again, with or without replacing it. They tell you that with breast implants, uh, a routine screening mammogram and self-examinations for breast cancer will be more difficult. Um, and this is because the implant is offering often covering up the breast tissue in those scans. So you have to have your doctor help you distinguish the implant from your breast tissue. Um, symptoms of a ruptured implant may be hard knots or lumps surrounding the implant or in the armpit, change in the size or shape of the breast or the implant, you may experience pain, tingling, swelling, numbness, burning, or hardening, and that you should tell your doctor about any of these changes. And they also tell you key complications of surgery that are possible um, and, th and things that women have experienced in the past. You may need a re-operation if something goes wrong. Um, you may have an implant rupture like we've been talking about. You may have an implant deflation if you have saline-filled implants, which is similar to a rupture. Um, you may get severe capsular contracture, which is basically just severe scar tissue around the implant. And other complications that they warn you about are asymmetry, um, changes in the sensation of your nipple or breast, scarring, and wrinkling or rippling. So those are the things they warn you about up front. And for the most part, you know, a lot of those are really scary to think about. So it is still a really big decision when you're being faced with this kind of information. Every doctor is a little bit different, so some may go more in detail about those risks than others. But you do have to at least sign that you acknowledge that those are all possibilities. So they're doing their due diligence there. But there is a lot that they don't tell you. And I can personally speak to this because all of these things I'm going to go into next are not anything that I was told by my surgeon, by the nurses, by the the doctor's office, by the websites when I looked up the company who made these implants, when I was doing research and trying to do my due diligence, I didn't find this information. 
And it wasn't until, like I said, years later that I started learning more about breast implant illness that I got access to this really, really important information. So that is a big intention of this episode today is to just share with you what's not commonly and, and currently out there um, in, in those waivers when you're going to get plastic surgery. What isn't being told to you that is information that you deserve to have if you're making this big of a change and um, taking this big of a risk with your body. So what they don't tell you, uh, and we're talking about both, now we're talking about both silicone and saline implants because obviously there is a difference in the filling of the implants, but you should know that both consist of a silicone outer shell. So even if you think that you're getting saline implants because they're better for you and there's less of a risk of health um, complications and health issues, those saline implants still have a silicone outer shell and you're still putting silicone into your body. And many, many tests and studies have shown that these implants have residue of a barrage of chemicals and heavy metals, including arsenic, copper, lead, platinum, tin, mercury, and many, many, many more, <laughs> many that I cannot pronounce properly, so I won't even try to take a stab at them here, but it's basically a toxic chemical soup. Many people have referred to it as such, and it's putting all of these toxins and heavy metals and chemicals directly into your body, close to your essential organs and your lymph nodes, and those chemicals are leaching into your body regardless of, of what type of implants you have and whether you're experiencing symptoms or not. Those chemicals are still in your body. And it is really well known that the, the biofilm that's a, created around implants, um, basically your implants create a, a uh, your body creates a pocket, rather, around the implants to protect you from them, to protect your immune system and your body from this foreign object. And it's it's well known that the biofilm around those implants over time can create the production of mold and yeast in the body. It's also known that having breast implants significantly impairs the body's immune system. It basically just makes your body have to work so much harder. It's constantly fighting these foreign invaders in addition to any other health complications or issues you might be experiencing. So it just makes you much more susceptible to those kinds of health complications. And, you know, we mentioned before, not only are these chemicals and heavy metals that I've named carcinogenic, carcinogenic, <laughs> which is cancer causing, but they are also neurotoxic, which is brain poisoning. And it's no surprise that so many women are experiencing so many issues from these implants. And I think that there are a lot of women out there who are very fortunate and lucky that they don't experience symptoms. And that is incredible. I, I wish that were the case for more women. But the unfortunate truth is that hundreds and thousands of women have experienced what is, as we know, now collectively being coined as breast implant illness to describe the the variety of implant-related physical and psychological symptoms that you've heard women talk about 
this week in these episodes. And you've probably gathered that there are there are some symptoms that are commonly shared across multiple women's experiences. And then there are also some that are unique from women to woman to woman. Um, and I know you've heard a lot of them already today, but I just want to reiterate for women tuning in now, um, especially if you are considering getting implants or if you already have them in your body, these are the things that they don't tell you. We just went through all those possible complications and risks that they do tell you about, but what they don't tell you is that you may very well experience chronic fatigue, muscle aches, joint pain, cognitive dysfunction like brain fog and memory loss, hair loss, dryness throughout your body and your skin, recurring infections, GI and digestive issues, sudden food intolerances or allergies, and chemical sensitivities, temperature intolerance to heat and cold, problems with the thyroid and adrenals, hormonal imbalances, a foul or metallic taste and body odor, um, skin pigmentation changes, anxiety, panic attacks, depression, symptoms or diagnosis of Lyme disease and fibromyalgia, edema or swelling throughout the body, vertigo, photosensitivity, ringing in the ears, muscle twitching, night sweats, insomnia, tinging, tingling or numbness, and swollen or tender lymph nodes. And Honestly, I could go on and on and on. There are so many more symptoms that women have been experiencing, but I think you're starting to probably get the picture by now that this is very serious. And it is so important to be armed with all of this information before you make such a life-altering decision. So I want to share some more testimonies here of women who have had implants in and have chosen to get them removed. Um, you know, like I said, we've we've had the pleasure of hearing uh, from a few women's personal testimonies and, and really going in depth on their stories. But there are so many other women out there with similar stories. And I wanted to include as many of them as I could, um, because like I said in the first episode, for me, it was really hearing another woman's journey with getting her implants removed and having a successful explant surgery that gave me the confidence to do this and go through with it. And if I hadn't stumbled upon her story online, read through it, related to it, and had the ability to reach out and ask her questions and get that assurance that I was looking for, I don't know if I would have gotten the surgery right away. Maybe I would have waited because there was definitely a lot of fear around it for me. So. The purpose here is just sharing these stories, and I'm so grateful to all the women who, who wrote in to share their stories for this series. So I'm going to go through a few uh, testimonies from women who shared what it was like having and getting implants, why they got them in the first place, and then what it was like for them after explanting. So one woman wrote to me that she knew at the age of 12 that she wanted bigger breasts. She had a family friend who was a plastic surgeon, and she told him that she would be coming in to see him when she grew up. And again, that just goes back to we need to challenge the narrative. Why is it okay that 12-year-olds are deciding that they want plastic surgery? And, and why is this so normalized in our society that we think that that's okay? Um, that same woman was later diagnosed with lupus and rheumatoid arthritis as an adult, 
after taking a fall skiing, which triggered an onslaught of symptoms for her and, and really was the catalyst for her body's immune reaction to having her implants in. And that can be the case for many women as well. Like everything may seem fine, business as usual, and then all of a sudden one experience or traumatic event or injury or illness is enough to send your body over the edge. It can't simultaneously heal that injury or fight that infection while it's also fighting against your foreign objects, your implants daily. And so a lot of women will experience that after a fall or a car accident or giving birth or other traumatic experiences like that, that that's when their autoimmune-like symptoms, breast implant illness symptoms, start to appear. So I want to acknowledge that that's really common as well. Another woman talked about how she got her implants to make her boyfriend happy because he said, real women have boobs. And wow, there's so much that, that we could say about that. Again, this goes back to challenging the narrative about what our society tells us a woman looks like. Who gets to decide that real women have boobs? Certainly not a man. And that choice is so individual for each of us in what we feel equates to femininity or womanhood. And nobody outside of yourself should tell you what that is for you. And, you know, the same woman um, experienced intense shoulder and neck pain when she had her implants in. One other woman told me that she thought breast implants were a safe alternative to insecurity, but later found out that they're not. Again, we're taught that these are safe and that it's an easy fix if you don't feel good about yourself. Just go under the knife. You can change it and it'll be okay. But nobody talks about all these other risks in really helping us to understand that it's not a safe alternative. It's not a quick and easy fix. And in many cases, the risks far outweigh the rewards. One woman told me that with her implants in, she felt like she was dying. And sometimes the answer is right in front of us, but we're just not ready to hear it yet, which you know, like I alluded to in the first episode, that's the case for a lot of women. A lot of women might be hearing this and thinking that this doesn't pertain to them. That, you know, oftentimes we think like, oh, wow, that's so awful that that's happened to other women, but it would never happen to me. And this is, it can be a really dangerous way of thinking because it can prevent us from getting the help that we need. And a lot of women aren't willing to confront all the reasons why they don't want to get their implants removed for the sake of making themselves healthier until it's not, I don't want to say too late, it's never too late, but until it's, it's really gotten to an extreme of them not feeling well. Um, one woman shared that it happened, her symptoms happened so slowly over the years that she blamed everything else but the implants. And she just labeled herself as the type of person who had a sensitive system and an angry gut. And, you know, it's so easy to write off all these individual symptoms um, for, for other reasons. But when you really get honest with yourself and look at them collectively, you know when something bigger is off with your body. And it's so important to tune into that intuition because more often than not, as women, it will guide you to the right answers. And it might be really hard and confronting and uncomfortable to listen to it and look at 
the things that you've been ignoring for a long time, but it is so, so worth it. And, you know, I'll tell you how worth it it is because now I'm going to go into the list of things that these women have been feeling after explanting. You know, you heard about all the symptoms like the fatigue and brain fog and skin issues and pain and all those things. And now these women have shared with me some things that have really stood out for them. After explanting, women have shared that they can take a deep breath. They can feel hugs more deeply. They can feel intimate touch more completely. No more joint pain, muscle spasms, or nerve pain. Much more energy. No more brain fog. No more chronic fatigue. No more random rashes. Their skin is brighter. Their eyes are clearer. Their hair is shinier. One woman is feeling healthier than she ever has at the age of 58. One woman, one woman said that, I am enough as I am, and my breasts do not define me. Another woman said she's able to breastfeed better and better connect with her baby. Another woman said she can run with just one sports bra on without her breasts killing her as she was jogging. Many women have shared with me that training is so much better. There's a better mind-muscle connection, and they feel more embodied. And the list goes on and on. And to me, hearing that is enough. Like hearing what all the symptoms were initially and then hearing the, the freedom and liberation in a woman's voice afterwards when those symptoms are gone and she feels like she's in control of her body and her health again, that's everything. And so again, that's really the intention of this series is just laying it all out on the table. Like here are the risks, here's what can happen, here's what can happen if you get them taken out and how much better you can feel, and if you still want to make the decision after that, that is totally up to you. But let's, you know, kind of wrap it up with going back to challenging that initial narrative. This is something I've reflected on a lot over the last few years, and if you've read my blog posts or kept up with my story, you know that. And this whole topic of conversation has really made me realize some of the some of the stories that we tell ourselves that we think are the truth. I think that so many people, not just women, but people think that if they look a certain way, they will feel more confident. You know, like one woman shared, she thought that making a change in her body was an easy fix to her insecurities. And we think that if we lose the weight or have better skin or better hair or fill in the blank, whatever it is, that we will feel more confident. But what I really discovered throughout this journey has been that confidence actually has nothing to do with the way you look and everything to do with the way you feel. You can feel confident whenever you choose to. And taking care of yourself is definitely a part of that. Like grooming can be a part of that and self-care. And sometimes it, it does have to do with appearance. Like putting on a certain outfit might make you feel more confident and that's okay. But just really challenge that you get to decide when you feel confident, not your body. It's not the other way around. It's not just about the way that you look dictating whether or not you get to be confident. And honestly, when I had my implants in, I didn't feel like myself anymore. And that really lowered my confidence. It had the opposite effect for me. 
And although there were definitely moments that having implants in made me feel sexy and attractive because that's what I had learned that a woman was supposed to look like, those moments were really fleeting. And I honestly feel so much sexier and more empowered in my natural body than I ever did in that surgically enhanced one. And I really learned that being a woman isn't about having curves or not. It's about embracing the feminine energy that's already within you and standing fully in the truth of who you are and owning who you are. And that confidence is something that no surgery can give you and nobody can take away from you. And it's something that oftentimes we have to work hard to build. And I think that some people are just scared of doing the work that it takes to build it because it seems harder and more confronting and just more difficult than the, than the quick fix of, of having a surgery. And again, I really want to reiterate that the important thing here is that this isn't a matter of judgment or of one body type being superior to another. I do not judge women who have gotten implants and elect to keep them because their truth may be very different than mine. And all of us have have really different reasons for our choices. And I'm just encouraging everyone here to challenge the reasons why you make those choices. Because I think that a lot of the women I've talked to think that it's for them and they think that it's out of a place of self-love. But when they really, really dig deep, they start to uncover that those voices aren't necessarily theirs, that they've been programmed and it's not truly what they believe. And something that I wrote on one of my blog posts about this that still holds so true and really resonates for me is that what it comes down to is that I just don't want to live in a world where we feel that we have to surgically alter our bodies in order to feel good enough. And that I don't want to someday raise a daughter who is made to feel that she isn't beautiful exactly as she is, or that her body is the fullest extent of her worth in the first place. And that has really has really been a constant theme throughout these last few years of, of learning and unlearning for me as well. Um, and one really beautiful thing for me has been that the love that I have for my body now is something that supersedes how it looks. And again, I still come across many people who cannot fathom the thought of not wanting to change their body. And I totally get that because I was in that place for a really long time. So many people have a fear of accepting their body how it is or learning to be okay with everything about themselves and not needing to change. And we think that we need to make excuses for the way or for why we look the way that we do, just so that other people know that we are aware of our own faults or inadequacies or flaws and that we're attempting to do something about them, as if accepting them would be some kind of crime against humanity. And I see this, you know, not just in regards to plastic surgery, but with weight and body image. Like we feel like we have to put it out there, disclaimer that like, oh, I've been really stressed or I, I, you know, I just had a baby or fill in the blank, like reason why your body looks the way it does. And you guys, this is a public service announcement to everyone who thinks that way or has people in their life who think that way. I want to tell you, we are so much more than what we look like. And this has been the most important message and lesson of all of this for me. And I hope you really take this away from it today, whether you relate to the plastic surgery conversation or not, whether you have implants and want to keep them or not, 
this just really hit home for me after having surgery the first time and getting the implants put in that I was personally spending too much time concerned with what I looked like and that that was really taking away precious time and mental energy that I could have been devoting to my purpose and my passions in life. And I just, I, I can't drive this home enough that your, your looks are temporary and fleeting and they will change so many times throughout your life. But the qualities of who you are at your core, in your heart and soul, those last, last a lifetime. So focus on developing and honing what truly matters about you and what will leave a lasting legacy and impact rather than something temporary that may be gone tomorrow. And again, I know that this might be confronting for some people to hear, might challenge belief systems that you've held in place for a really long time. Um, but I think it's important that we do challenge them. And I think it's important that we have this conversation and that not only we, we learn to accept ourselves and the people in our lives as we are, but we start to move the conversation past our bodies in the first place and focus on the things that matter so much more about us. So I hope you guys enjoyed this series. Um, there's you know, so much here. I encourage you to go back and listen to it. Um, listen to the different stories and information again and again if, if you are looking to get more out of it. And ask us questions. Myself and the women who've shared their stories here, we're all open to answering your questions. Um, if you need guidance in your own journey, um, you can reach out to any of us um, or check out the, the support group online. There's the Breast Implant Illness Facebook group where I think over 100,000 women now are getting support. Um, and again, I really encourage you to, to share this with the women in your life who need to hear it. Share this with anybody who has ever had concerns about their body image, has thought about getting plastic surgery, has had it, anybody who just might need to learn more about this topic. I think it's so important that we just continue to get the conversation out there. So I appreciate all of you tuning in so much, so deeply. Thank you. And I hope you got a lot out of this. And if you want to hear more about this topic and you want to hear more women's stories, let me know. Shoot me a message or an email um, because I, I definitely would like to cover this topic more. I think it's a really important one. And um, I am excited to help more women out there get access to this important information before they make these, these big decisions about their bodies. So thanks again for tuning in. And as always, until next time, have a happy and healthy day.